Ha-ha! I'm Master you Scallywags, this is Hyperborean Radio. Ready your sea legs as we weigh anchor, sailing in the wasteland of modernity. This is the Dread Pirate and Thunder letting you know you are not alone. I'm joining Celtic God and the Lore Keeper. <laughs> that sounded like he had fun with that. I like that. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I'm really hoping uh, that man. we can get any future guests that we have on do something very similar. <laughs> the Lord Keeper's <laughs> over there just rubbing his face. He's like, oh. <laughs> but I think this I is, added, um, the, uh, added the pirate yell just for added effects. So. <laughs> but the, uh, for anybody that's uh, curious, this is the podcast version of the YouTube radio show. Uh, and this is the, let's call it the more grown-up version where we don't self-censor so much. It's less family-friendly and more... Uh, let's let's get down and dirty, root around in the mud a little bit. Um, so, just, just in case we only have people that listen to the podcast, because this happens, you have some people, they watch the YouTube, some people listen to the podcast, some people listen to both. Um, but, for the people that only listen to the podcast, you... Uh, you run a couple uh, telegrams. One is uh, uh, not the nautical one. What's the other one called? Uh, You're a pagan uh, discovery channel. Right. Which so. is worth checking out. And um, uh, that's on telegram. So uh, I believe everything's actually just typed up correctly, right? You don't have no funny spellings or anything? I don't have it in front of me, so... No, uh, Europagan is uh, like one word, so it's capital E-U-R-O, capital P-A-G-A-N, and then Discovery Channel are the next two words. So uh, it's basically um, it's basically just a channel for introductory level, you know, kind of uh, ethnic faith uh, kind of information. Which so which is cool. However, that is not what we're here to talk about today. And by the way, we also have a Telegram Hyperborean Radio. Um, you can find uh, the Dread Pirate McThunder's telegrams through ours because we do share some of his uh, posts on ours, and then you can you can find them that way. But the one that we're actually here to talk about, which I believe honestly does not get enough love, is Gedunk Nautica. That's your other telegram. Yes. And, and I said it correct yes. this time. Yes. Yay me! Hardy <laughs> <laughs> thing. Party me mateys or something like that. You did a thing, CG. I did a thing. Yay! <laughs> so one of the things I was actually going to bring up is the word gee dunk. I've heard it actually um, more recently being uh, this being told is the sound that a soda can makes when it drops, you know, through a vending machine. So gee <laughs> dunk. <laughs> I wonder if that so, might not be where it actually originated from. Was not the soda can, but maybe the sound of the ship with the waves hitting the side of the ship. It could be. And, um, and through the what are they called? The swells, the swales. Swells. Yeah. yeah when, when the ship's going up and down and the water's banging on the side, because swales. I've never been on the ocean, but I do know on the the small freshwater seas that I've been in, also known as the Great Lakes. Um, there is actually kind of that sound um, from the waves hitting the side of the, the boat. Uh, I haven't been on what I would consider a ship, but it, it was big enough. It had two two sails on it. Um, yeah. And it, uh, you can actually hear gadonk, gadonk, gadonk on the side of the ship. And that actually, 
interesting you brought that up because that's actually where the term I think the term shiver me timbers comes from as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, that's when uh, the wind pressure is so high, the the main mast or the yeah the main mast, um, and some of the other timbers because what I was on was actually a wooden a wooden vessel with with two sails, but the 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 mast will actually shiver under the pressure, and that's not good. You have to relieve that pressure. Bad things are about to happen. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and another another version of that is uh, the sound of like, I think it's like wood splintering because mm-hmm. of the massive pounding of the waves on the inside. So, say uh, mariners, sailors would uh, say, "Shiver me timbers!" Like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the sides of the ships are getting hit so hard that the timbers themselves are shivering. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Kind of neat, you know. And this is why. I am a landlubber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have the nautical man talking with a couple landlubbers. I, I think I'm somewhere in the in the middle. I wouldn't call myself a sailor, but I can make a I can make a boat go. Um, well, you got uh, and, and the for anybody that devalues the the Great Lakes, freighters sink in the thing once in a while. It, these are big. They are no joke, and there are massive waves. Do they get as big as the waves in the ocean? No, but there have been massive waves that have, um, I, I forget what the term is, but where the, the wave washes over the freighter or over the ship, and it doesn't drown it, but it bashes down, it actually crashes down on top of the ship. Um, so the waves on the Great Lakes are no joke, and these are ocean, ocean-going freighters. They run them all the way up into the Great Lakes. These lakes are massive. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, there's the people that even weeks. go surfing in the Great Lakes. Yes. And it's actually hilarious because I've, I've done s- that. I've seen how people, because they'll have like the big beard and the long hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll just be frozen with ice because mm-hmm. Lake Superior is freaking cold. Yeah, yeah. So while oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't put myself on par with somebody that sails on the ocean, I would put myself over these people that, you know, they're like the weekend sailors. Um, and, and they, oh, they basically yeah. pay somebody else to do it, and then they claim that they're doing it. So I put myself somewhere firmly in the middle. Absolutely, yeah. So I I've got quite a bit of sea time. I'm not going to gloat upon that, but I can definitely see see what you're saying. You know? Right. And unfortunately for the people in the audience, we're not going to say what your uh, what your occupation is. But since we won't, they might be able to figure it out for themselves. Because we do have a rather intelligent audience. Um, yes. But it, there's all kinds of... I believe that, that they're all referred to as mariners. You have uh, the, the freight liners. You have the fishing vessels. You have, um, uh, obviously, naval naval forces. You There's a lot of different mariners out there. And would you say that, there's, that mariners actually view a ranking like oh you're not a real sailor if you haven't done this you're not a real sailor if you haven't that it, does this exist in the the maritime world this is where you say yes yeah. definitely yeah <laughs> that's where i was going so yeah most most definitely i mean some people call them uh, greenhorns you know newbies what have you and that kind of thing so i've even when i first got on board a ship i was told that by 
my boss, I was, he's like, looked at me disgustedly and he's like, I got more salt on my boots than you have time on this ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a hierarchy, but that's because you, you, you have to prove yourself. It's, it's a meritocracy on the ship. It's not, it's not made of daydreams and well wishes, you know. Right. Well, every and man YouTubers, and we're talking about how life, life aboard ship um, can get rather harsh, and it's, it's out of necessity. Absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, every man has, whether they believe it or not, an important function on the ship. And if that one man, <coughs> excuse me, if that one person can't pull their own weight, that puts everybody else at risk. Yeah. So, well, there's uh, a reason for that, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what your job is. And um, everybody's watched these movies where you're swabbing the deck, swabbing the deck. Why do they do that? Why is that important? Well, even on the, the small part-time lakes that I've been on, um, it's actually a, a pretty important job to keep the deck clean. Absolutely, yeah. Um, part of the reason they do that is to keep the deck um Keep the deck new, actually, and preserve it because salt and uh, it's like everything that comes with being out at sea can erode the wood. Even on the modern ships, uh, let's see, like some of the more metal ships and that thing, most ships nowadays are made out of some type of metal. That can actually corrode uh, the, the skin of the ship. And uh, you'll, you'll notice that when it starts turning a greenish color. Yeah. So... Um, Every now and then, every now and then, they'll have a fresh water uh, washdown where they'll just take a like a fire hose because a lot of ships have fire hoses now nowadays. Because yes, there are fires on ships, and uh, they'll they'll wash down the outside of the ship and uh, scrub it down a little bit to maintain it. Right. Well, and they they've always done this, um, even with the small fishing vessel vessel blah, 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 vessels dragging them out of the water and flipping them upside down, scraping the barnacles off from them, uh, literally washing them down with uh, fresh water and then repainting them and then put them back in the, uh, put them back in the water or refinishing them because they didn't always use paint. Uh, whether it's, it's pitch or tar or oil or, or paint and then put them back in the water because, yeah, the, yeah. the, the wood rots and metal rusts. Absolutely, yeah. So I think on the uh, on the wooden ships of uh, canvas sail, they used to do that. That was a daily thing, um, at least weekly. Well, you mean uh, um, swabbing the deck or or resurfacing it? Uh, both, really, uh, because yeah, it's uh, it's an accelerated process, I would think, because they didn't have things as what would you use varnish or some kind of chemical to coat the wood. Um, most like commonly, historically, well, it depends on where you're talking about and when you're talking about. That's one of the problems with talking about the about the about the past, is it's so big and it's so vast. So right. different things were done at different time periods in different places. Um, but yeah, if you get back far enough, it was pitch. They 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 pitched the ship, and then sometimes they would they would uh, paint it or lacquer it. Well, and it's one thing that is really obvious in the naval lore, but is often neglected in most other lores, is things did not stop. They just kept going. It's just a lot of people forgot how to see it. Because, yes, there's this really, really old lore, like the, the Odyssey is one giant you know, sailing adventure. Right. 
Uh, you have gods like Manana Maglir, Morskizar, uh, Ron, Aegir, Njordr, all these different sea deities and creatures and legends. And those didn't stop. There's more and more and more and more. I mean, there, there's some getting added to it even today. Well, and here's something else that I, I find interesting, honestly, is the difference between a ship and a boat. Because if you go back in, in, in the history, and maybe even today, what is the difference between a, a boat and a ship? Well, it's the size. Well, you have some... Most of the ships by today's standards would be considered boats. But they had boats the size of or bigger than ships. So what's the difference? I'd ha- I would, I myself would probably actually break it down to purpose. Uh, that's that seems to be the most consistent. As what's the difference between a ship and a boat? What do you do with it? I can agree with that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I've even, <laughs> I've even got scolded uh, back in my early, back in my early days because I referred to the ship as a boat. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah. So you you don't want to confuse the two, especially when you're coming aboard with a with a new crew. I, I guess I guess when you're unsure, just call it a sailing vessel. <laughs> yeah. So boats are uh, yeah, boats are something entirely different. That's what uh, that's what uh, people who are fresh to the scene use. You know, you use them for uh, like casual sailing or like small little fishing boats. You know that kind of thing. Ships carry goods ships you know fight battles you know they ships like you were saying they have, yeah yeah they have a purpose right that's so kind exactly of, as you that's kind of how i break it down is ships are the professional the 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 ship ships are the vessels used in a professional means boats are recreational size doesn't matter right well, yeah, cuz i don't think a lot of people would call a yacht a sh- i don't think a lot of people would call a yacht a ship well, unless they own the yacht, and then they're trying to get you to view them as more than what they are. And, yeah, and well, there's pretty... yachts that are huge. Well, and oh, for sure, yeah. I think there was a point where um, there's been this shift in the cultural idea of what a mariner or a naval man is. Uh, in pop culture, it's almost looked at oddly effeminately. Is a, a recent. Oh sort of. yeah, when yeah, because actually this is one of the first conversations that me and uh, the Dread Pirate McThunder had was um, R R maybe <laughs> <laughs> the uh, get out the get out the uh, the dueling parrots. <laughs> what what? <laughs> we gotta get out the dueling parrots. The parrots duel for us. <laughs> that's that's how tough we be. <laughs> but what, um, what am I? Saying? One of my favorite scenes, uh, uh, what was it, um, in the, that we saw this movie recently with the kids, it was uh, Hook. Oh, yeah. So, with the, uh, the old Robin Williams uh, Hook, you know. Yeah, and, uh, the good one. Trying to sit, yeah, the good one. He's trying to sit, uh, Robin Williams' character is uh, trying to fit in with and pretend he's a pirate. So, he's um, he's walking through this uh, through this alleyway and he's, he just screams out, R and then this other pirate turns around. He's like, "How are you doing? R, how are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so good, man. <laughs> not, not bad. You, all right. R, how are you doing? That's what yeah. I said. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it's it's there, there's this whole thing, and a lot of people they really miss the nautical or the the marine side of our lore, which is why I'm so happy that you started Gee Dunk Nautica. Yeah, there seems to there's not a lot of that I know of, and not a lot of people out there that that actually want to pursue like research into nautical lore. I mean, yeah, they're found here or there, but it's like I was saying earlier. It's just so much. It's just monumental. It's just a mountain high stack of things I have to go through and just like sort and 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 see what's important. And my personality is I, I like to find stuff that's not so well known. Yeah, of course you have the you know Poseidon and Manon Maclear and and Yorder uh, Rand, like all these well known gods. But what about like local gods, local lore, folklore, that kind of things river gods you know it's just so much of that out there oh, yeah well, because a lot of people they fascinating uh, they, they forget about the river part of it because there was entire um there, there was an entire economy not to mention warfare um and, and just plain survival that wrapped around rivers people traveling up and down rivers well it's really common in like slavic lore for uh there to be a lot of river lore with like Rusalki and um, all these other things, especially because they would use the the rivers as highways, so that would allow yes. them to basically get from one place to the other. They'd use it to travel to the seas that were nearby Slavic lands. I mean, it's a whole thing, and people forget that the water lore. Yes, there's the greater ocean lore, but there's also individual lake lore. Uh, everything from like the King of Undines. Uh, Loch Ness Monster. In America, you have things like Champ. Or I think, like, you grew up growing up around the Great Lakes, there was actually, like, a ghost pirate yeah. who had ravens instead of parrots. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Uh, I don't know how widespread the story is, but, yes, there's there's even stories of ghost pirates on the, on the uh, Great Lakes. Because there was pirating, actually, on Great Lakes. And that's, as far as our history goes, that's relatively modern let alone going over into Europe and how, how long that we've interacted and been around and on and in the water there. Um, I did have a question, though. When somebody says, I swear like a sailor, or you say, or somebody says, you swear like a sailor, what is your interpretation of this since you have actually spent time as a sailor of one kind or another? <laughs> um... I think it just comes with the comes with the culture. You know, you're dealing with uh, the ship fights back against you at times. You know, there's the old saying, "Say you know, don't give up the ship." There's a reason for that. Um, ships sink. Ships take a lot of work. Uh, sea life's hard. It's not something uh, that you just take up and just want to do. It's just you have to feel a calling for it. But um, yeah, I think it just. I don't know a historical context behind it. I just know it's, it's probably a cultural thing. Um, so, I guess even, where I was going with it, are there particular swears that sailors use that uh, you won't hear in everyday life as a land mm, lover? Or is it just mm, the same swear, swearing that's just very violent? Uh, yeah, I would say the second. So, I think probably some of the anti antiquated... Um, Square words and stuff like that are not really used nowadays, but 
uh, yeah, dropping F-bombs all day is just like F-bomb every... <laughs> fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, fuck everything. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the ship, fuck, you know, just... <laughs> fuck an I wanna A, go fuck back a B, home. so that you can fuck it twice. <laughs> oh, exactly, so it's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's a reason for it, but I think it's mostly a culture thing. So. Well, and... Um, and we're well-traveled as well, so people from... You're not gonna... How should I put this? You know, we travel. We go to other lands, and so that might be why our swearing is well-known around the world. So, I think that... I take that as uh, probably a, a... Probably a reason for it as well. And what was you gonna say, Lorekeeper? I was just gonna say, I've noticed that jobs that tend to have less room for niceties tend to be more likely to swear. They, they just stop caring. It's like in a kitchen. People swear like crazy in kitchens. Like any, Oh yeah, it's that, that high pressure situation. Yeah, or uh, pretty much anything where like you don't have the time to be like, oh, it's okay. Mm. No, it's like, we got 17 chickens to get cooked. You undercooked this. You could have killed someone. Go fuck yourself. Now cook more. <laughs> It, it, and just like and just like farming or anything like that, it's not like you can take a day off while you're out at sea. You have to be up. It doesn't matter if you're feeling like shit or you're feeling, you know, you just don't want to get up. You have to get up. But I'm hungover. Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, there's a really good book by Jack London um, called The Sea Wolf, which I read a few years back. It's one of my favorite books. It's literally about like a... Um, basically like a, a yuppie uh, in like the early 1900s um, who was on like a pleasure cruise basically. And not, not like a pleasure cruise like dirty anything but just like it was for a leisure cruise I guess would be a better term. But basically he was doing that and then it sank and then he got picked up by you know kind of a seedy crew and you know he goes he basically is forced to work because they're like yeah we're not going back to shore until we've done our job. So you're stuck with us, and oh, by the way, you have to work to, you know, not get kicked off because we've only got so many supplies. So he get, basically he uses this entire opportunity, which, you know, it's pretty violent. It's pretty rough and tumble. I mean, he breaks his leg at one point and has to keep working. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first thing he sees when he gets on the ship is, like, the first mate who, I don't know if he was just drank too much or what, but he's, like, super ill. You know, it's, uh, and then he's just, like, dies like he's just sitting in a chair with like it's they describe him as having a like basically a his his body's so hairy it's almost like a dog that he's just like (gasps) and then he dies and then they just put him overboard also known as yes (laughs) yep yes yep and um (laughs) and that's I don't want to give anything away. I do encourage people to go read the book if you've got free time and you like to well, read Well, the books. book's only been out for how long? Well, over 100 years. Yeah, so uh, really, I, I would say spoilers are not something that we well, Okay, not spoilers, about. but I do want people to enjoy the book. Right. But it's a, it's a good book, and it, it really emphasizes, because the character starts out, you know, soft and, you know, like, carefully manicured nails, clean-shaven, all hoity-toity. By the end, he's clubbing seals to death with a big burly beard, and you know, just like fighting people to the death with his bare hands. Oh, um, since you do actually do a lot of nautical lore, not just deities, um, you also cover history and the personalities and a, a wide thing on on Gina, uh, Ginautica, 
Gedunk Nautica, sorry. Gedunk. Uh, Gedunk. Yeah, and we was just talking about it. Um, but you do cover a wide variety of topics, but uh, the Lord Keeper had come across some stuff where some of the more notable characters was actually based on real people, so you might want to look into that, too, if you're not already aware of it. Like, uh, uh, crap, now all the names just flew right out of my head. There's stories, peg leg, pirate oh. guy based off from a real person. Long John Silver. Thank you. Uh, I, this is why I keep him around. <laughs> I forget the names. I go through a description. He can give me the name. Uh, Long John Silver, he's based on the guy that wrote Invictus, the poem, which is an absolutely excellent poem. But uh, Invictus is, well, not Invictus. Uh, Long John Silver is based on him, and then his his daughter is the inspiration for Wendy from uh, Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. You mean he's not didn't start a chain of fast food restaurants? No. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in a while. I, do they he always exist? carry a hush puppy in his left pocket? Because who doesn't like a hush puppy? <laughs> That's oh. funny. And fish fingers. But where do they get the fish fingers? Are there a lot of fish swimming around without fingers? Yes. Yes, there's a lot yes, of fish swimming around. Well, uh, you could say almost all of them are swimming around oh, without right. fingers. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Well, and if anybody thinks that there isn't stuff to still be discovered in the ocean, which I don't know why you'd think that, they just discovered something, a fish that they thought was m- extinct for millions of years. They just discovered it. Like, it was in the fossil record. They thought it was extinct. It was still alive. Oh, do you happen to know what, what the name of that one no, was? No, no, I forgot. But if you look up, like, extinct fish found alive, you'll find, like, five different Oh, yeah, because they find them every few years. Yeah, it's like, oh, I thought this was extinct for X amount of years. science. The science knows the giant squid does not exist. Oh, wait, it does. Listen to science. Science knows this fish has been extinct for 10 million years. Oh, wait, they just found one last week. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And it's one thing I find fascinating about the ocean. It's kind of an arrogance. And really, the, the sea, well, nature, period, but especially the sea, does not allow for arrogance to continue for very long she will kill you. Yes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. She will <clears throat> drown you, oh. she will beat you to death, she'll flip you upside down, run you ragged, starve you to death. So, yeah, and one of the things you got to remember, when you're out there and you're on a ship, you get caught in a bad storm, there is nowhere to go. You can't just run the opposite way. You're just there. You're stuck. And, and going, below decks, day, going below decks ain't going to get you no further from the problems. Hell no. And one of the things is, if, when you go to sleep, it's not going to be a gentle rocking you to sleep. <laughs> it's it's going to be, I'm going to rock and roll you to till you just can't stay awake anymore. Oh, right. Well, I've seen, uh, I, I have fun watching some videos on YouTube where they show people inside some of these ocean-going ships. And you, you get it on the Great Lakes, but not to this, this extent, but where they're showing the gravity of um, of being on the sea where... They're standing up, and they're almost laying down, and then the ship moves, and then they're just magically standing up again. So it looks like they're doing something that's physically impossible, but it's just because the ship is moving that much. And I'm guessing these are probably smaller ones and not like uh, an aircraft carrier, um, but probably something closer to like uh, the, the, the fishing vessels on the ocean. Well, because it is so extreme, because from what I understand, and again, I haven't, you, you could answer this better than I can, 
But from what I understand from talking to um, naval personnel and talking to uh, Coast Guard and talking to um, the, the fishermen, like the tuna fishermen, etc., uh, the bigger the ship, the less sway. To a point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, but on the flip side, if you're in one of those larger ships and you start having to walk on the walls, you're pretty much fucked. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's kind of... I was talking to a guy, uh, his main vessel uh, when he was in the Navy was an aircraft carrier. And he said, by the time you can feel the sway, something went really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's just crazy. And um, I don't think a lot of people understand just how big some of these um, uh, ocean freighters are. They're I man-made mean, islands. Yeah, they are. They're, they're just absolutely massive. They are... They're, they're um, just the part that you can, and this is with it loaded. Um, if you go to like Sault Ste. Marie in Michigan, um, you can see the ocean going freighters going through the locks up there. And some of these are 10, just the part that you can see above the water, give or take 10 stories high. And these things are like a quarter mile long. They're just absolutely horrendously big. And these things on the ocean, yeah. they, on occasion, because I've talked to some of these guys, on occasion, they get tossed around like like a bottle in a in a swimming pool. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So some of these ships are hundreds of thousands of tons of displacement in the water. So if they're experiencing that, that means, poof, that well, means like Neptune or Poseidon is extremely pissed off. You shouldn't have come. Well, I was talking to one of them, and they was like, well, usually this doesn't happen, but it's not uncommon for a freighter to leave with their top deck loaded, and when they show up, a quarter of the load is left because the rest of it got knocked off in the ocean. So if you want to know why your, your shipping prices and why sometimes shit, uh, stuff do, just doesn't show up, that's why. And it's, it's, they still transport on the ocean because it's cheaper. Well, it's just really weird when you think about it because it shouldn't be cheaper, and not to get political on this stream, but it shouldn't be cheaper to, you know, build stuff on the opposite end of the planet and then ship it over the ocean. And account for loss like that. And account for loss just to get it here. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't from, like, a logical point of view. No. Seems no. like... Uh, no. Seems like it'd be better for each side to just set up their own building complexes and do it that way. But hey, that's what the geopolitical uh, arena is for. It's, it's, all I need to know is that it exists. And again, the, the whole point of, of the show is the nautical portion of uh, what it is that you do, which is, again, Dunk Nautica. You can find it through the, the Hyperborean radio channel on Telegram. We, we share links with them all the time. Uh, and again, um, we talked about it in the YouTube version, but this dude is just so phenomenal to me. The the um, Big Pierre, wow. It, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have his real name right in front of me. It's Farisian, uh, but that's what he's known by in the tales. Is Big Pierre? No. Right. So, so if you. Um, if you look that up, you'll f rather quickly find out who we're talking about. Massive guy with a sword equally big. Uh, some of the stories has him where it's a, uh, 
I'm not I'm not even sure what it's called, uh, but many many ships fighting against many ships, and there's stories of him going and going onto a ship by himself and taking it single handedly, while his crewmates take another ship. Just ferocious, oh, wow. absolutely ferocious. Uh, and I'm sure that probably happened after he um, after he got a bit of a name and being exceptionally large. Depending on which story you read, depends on how big he is, but extremely large. Um, you know, after after he gets known, there's probably a lot of people just ran away rather than try and fight. They see, oh no, this guy jumped on our ship. We're done, and they just jump overboard because stuff like that happens. Reputation. I matters. can only, I can only imagine the terror in the in the ship about to be boarded when you have this crew of guys standing there. Right, everybody's around. Five foot eight, six foot tall, and then you have this one guy that's about a foot taller than everybody else, and he's got this massive sword that he's just holding, and he's just got this hungry look in his eye, like he's like, "Yes, all of you are about to die, and there's nothing you can do about it." Right. <laughs> Not just a head taller, but head and shoulders taller. Well, and there's oh, um, gosh. there's a rather famous uh, story. Uh, it's not folklore, but. Um, uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh yeah, from uh, from, from Princess, Princess Bride, Bride. And, and that's one of the things because we was also talking about um, Blackbeard, yeah, and, and the YouTube version of this. And with uh, with Blackbeard, some people think that he has the Dread Pirate Roberts um, syndrome, where it wasn't actually one pirate; it was several pirates that all went by Blackbeard. So it's possible. It's also well, possible it was just one guy, Edward Teach. Yeah, um, you, you said his name right. That's the way I've always yeah, heard yeah. it pronounced. Um, but was he the first and the last and the only Blackbeard? Nobody knows. Was he even Blackbeard? Nobody actually knows. Um, they say so because he claimed so. Well, and on top of that, you have things like... Because the way Blackbeard is described, you know, he has the dyed Blackbeard, and then he has, like, fuses and stuff throughout all his beard to make himself look even more ferocious. Mm-hmm. You aren't, especially if his face is a bit dirty and he's got all the all the pirate clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody's yeah, getting because, that. Um, from nobody's... what I understand, he took all of the, um, basically the fairy tale aspects of, of a pirate, what everybody expects a pirate to be, and he became that. Why? Because it works psychology is so important and there's there's uh, stories of entire well not entire fleets but entire groups of vessels that surrender without a shot fired they saw his flag and they're just like okay we're not fighting yep well just to, if- just to share reputation and the terror of knowing this <laughs> this terror of the seas is coming after you yeah just lay down your arms he might let you live That's- right that's kind of the pirate equivalent of like Pablo Picasso, how Pablo Picasso in his later life, he would pay for everything with a check because his signature was worth more than whatever he was buying. So nobody would cash it. Uh, wow. What I mean is basically the fame got so high that he didn't have to really work for it. Yeah, and really, it, that's the, one of the realities of life. Like some people will, whoa, this rich person and that rich person and blah, blah, blah. They, they don't deserve what they got. And, and really, it doesn't matter if it's by situ- situation of birth. And so, some of the people that's in that position are like, well, once people find out I'm rich, they just try to take my money away from me. 
Well, in our natural way of being, the answer is no, we're not. Just don't pretend to be poor, and we're good. Mm. And if you're a dick, naturally, we will just take it from you then. Or we might just bury but because you. Because there, there's many um, instances through history where you can uh, where you can read about where rich dude shows up, um, starts trying to throw his weight around. People kill rich dude, bury guy with or bury money with guy that they just killed. Well, if you think- and same thing, even nautically, that has happened nautically. Where no, we are, uh, we don't like you, and then they they scuttle the enemy ships, leave the enemies on their ships, scuttle their ships, and just sink everything, cargo and everything, take absolutely nothing and everything at the same time. Sink your bones down to Davy Jones. Yes, I mean we we can be particularly brutal, especially with. Uh, uh, people that we deem our enemies. Well, and one big issue is we don't... This is actually something that affects our people rather commonly, which is greed. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, if you look at older European society, it's not that people couldn't be rich. It's that that alone did not give you higher status. If you think about it. Right, once upon a time. It used to be... Yeah, you, you're you rich. You have more ability to buy stuff. You probably own a bit more land. But then people could base... But, like, let's say someone shows up and well, they don't let, really like you. Let's, I mean, they got a shitty name now, but at one time, Rockefeller. Yeah. Rockefeller was looked up to and admired by the masses. Infinitely rich. Um, who else? Oh, Well, fictionally. Everybody likes Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. Infinitely rich. Nobody saying, oh, they shouldn't be that rich take their money. Rockefeller, a real person. Nobody was actually trying to take his money. He was something to aspire to. Um, and then, now he's got a bad name. Deservedly so, actually, due to dirty business practices, at least towards the end. But, at one time, immensely popular. Immensely popular with the people. Well, and it... It's like our presidents. Just because you're president does not mean people will like you. I mean, there are so many no-name presidents... Like Rutherford B. Hayes. If his name wasn't Rutherford B. Hayes, I think, and he ha- had an excellent beard, I think everyone would have forgotten he basically existed aside from... Because, like, William Henry Harrison, what is he famous for? He died in 30 days. Uh, the actual... Unless they really done fucked up, most of the presidents people actually like were the ones that behaved what most people would term the least presidentially. Right. If you think about it. In modern day, that's what they'd say. And really, same thing for admirals of, of, of yore, because I want to tie this back into the whole nautical thing, is admirals of yore, there was ones that were despised, and then ones that were heralded heroes. Um, often, both were rich. Nobody gave a shit. Well, and... Yeah, I, it, it kind of ties back also how they treated their crew. Did you want to serve for a tyrant? Uh, or did you want to serve under somebody who actually gave a damn about you and the well-being of the ship? So it all takes back into that as well. Well, I think part of that goes back into meritocracy because the more at the whims of nature you are, the less that people can promote just based on, you know, this is my second cousin's first son, the more likely people are to actually approve of it. You have, like, these mini high kings of Mm -hmm. their ships... Well, and one of the, the most common ones, again, uh, most of my not, uh, nautical knowledge 
comes from talking people that either did it or from military histories. But some of the most popular captains or admirals, the crew themselves would describe their captain or their admiral as being extremely harsh, but also extremely fair, and that made them kind. Yeah, if you know what's expected of you and everybody's held to that same standard, then, you know, what have you. Yeah, well, most and, definitely. Well, and there's entire, effectively, naval um, nations that have existed, like uh, the East India Trading Company. Because, effectively, with the amount of power, money, and people within the East India Trading Company, they were one of the most powerful countries on the planet, and they were just a, a trading company. And I think and they, they held no land. No land, but they were one of the most powerful entities on the planet during their existence. And I think the only reason they actually ended up... Uh, I mean, I haven't done enough research on this, but I think the only reason the East India Trading Company actually still isn't in power is because what they were trading in kind of lost value. Well, yes and no. It was also military, uh, military naval forces. Well, basically the countries said no because they were starting to extort the countries themselves too much. So then that's where all the pirates actually started coming up. Most of it, while part of it was... We will give you this piece of paper, and I know I sound horrible and I'm echoey right now, um, but please bear with me. Um, everybody's aware of uh, writs of, I can't remember the name of it. Pieces of paper, basically. Uh, you're a free merchant for England. Letters we want of you mark. to go sink French ships. I think it's letters of mark. Uh, that, I believe that's it, yes. Uh, letters of mark. Everybody's aware of that part, but at, uh, at one point, all of them were turned against the East India Trading Company because the East India Trading Company was beginning to extort um, countries for political favors. Otherwise, they would not provide goods. Basically, they sicked the privateers on all the, the pirates. Uh, so, uh, again, um, Pirates of Caribbean, it touches on reality. It, it's not reality. It is not a documentary. It is not historical. Uh, it is not a historical document in any way, shape, or form. Are the pirates of, Car of the Caribbean? But it does touch on folklore and history all the way through it. And I think uh, privateers. If uh, anybody listening doesn't know, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think privateers are actually hired um, mercenaries to fight back against. Uh, Pirate for the most uh, part. maritime, like Robbie, yeah. For the most part, so, that's what they were. But that, that's not all that they were. Some of them were literally just trading vessels. Some of them were literally just fishermen. But most of them were effectively mercenaries, sea-bound mercenaries. And then once the, the governments, um, like the, the whole part where they all came over to the, the Caribbean, which is realistic-ish, um... That was because all the countries that they were, um, did have letters of mark for, revoked their letters of mark. And instantly, that didn't give them a chance to do anything else, just instantly de declared them criminals. Well, Once their purpose was done, they declared them criminals. Where were they supposed to go? What were they supposed to do? Well, and an interesting thing about the Caribbean um, is that 
just how many European colonies were once there. I mean, I know most people nowadays think of people there as Latino or like Afro-Caribbean, but there was a sizable uh, European diaspora there. Like Hamilton uh, came from the Caribbean, uh, one of the founding fathers. I think he was of Scots-Irish descent or something like that, but he wasn't like a, a he wasn't like he wasn't you know like the frickin' musical depicts him frickin' people. Uh, but there was just huge cities, trading ports, um, basically older versions of Las Vegas with, you know, pirate wenches and beer. And I think there's like sunken cities that like sunk after the right weather. So there's just sunken pirate cities all yes, over the Caribbean. Those actually exist. And there was even talk for a bit of the potential of a pirate nation that did not come to fruition, but that almost happened in the Caribbean. So there's... Oh, yeah. All the countries, all the existing big countries of the time got together to actually bring that to a stop. There's actually a, a TV series on HBO, I think it is, that's based on that. I think the name of it's uh, Black Sails. Yeah, I think it, Black Sails. It even had, like, a fictionalized... Uh, uh, Again, not a documentary... Yeah, I mean, it had fictional characters in it, like uh, Captain Flint. Or uh, Long John Silver, I think, shows up in it, too. Blackbeard, a fictionalized Blackbeard. And, I, I mean, this is just a, a massive amount of lore. It's like we've been talking about. It's too much to learn in one sitting or even a lifetime. Like, there's a reason a lot of people will specialize in this. It's because there's just too much within the nautical maritime lore in and of itself before you even get to the landlubber lore. Oh, uh, with um, Dedunk Nautica. This is a suggestion, too, because I, I watched a documentary on this, um, and it ties into actually what it is that you cover with Dedunk Nautica, is um, mm -hmm. the fishing villages. There is a lot of lore and customs wrapped around the fishing villages that is being forgotten because people just don't fish the way that they used to um, but like the gutting maids, I think they was called. Um, so when the catches would come in, these women, they, they would gut the fish, um, uh, mending the nets. The idea that the, the wife would carry her husband to the boat so that his boots won't get wet was, it, it's a true thing. They actually did that. And why did she do that? Because she didn't want her husband to die. Because getting, getting yeah, actually, wet in these situations could actually kill you. Yeah, What's I've that? actually been uh, looking into a lot of the uh, uh, like villages and that that but that sort of lore as well, which brought me up to a recent discovery. I, I, I don't know if it's recent, but Doggerland. Mm -hmm. So they've actually come up with. I found a sea map that details like the sunken area of Doggerland. I think it's between. Maybe the Baltics area and uh, like northwest, n northeast uh, England. Um, Dodgerland, no. yeah, it's between. Basically, it's between France and England. Uh, it, it, so it, it, it actually kind of wrapped up and around. It, it was much, much bigger than that. But just for a quick, it's basically, good it was back when the Ice Age was going on. Doggerland was the land around the British Isles that made them not isles. Right. the The English Straits, what's now known as the English Straits, they were dry. Yes. Well, not even right. dry. They were just above water. Well, yeah, that's what I meant by dry. Um, and uh, what? And I'm extremely interested in that area because there, um, 
scientists and explorers and that kind of thing are actually planning on doing dives and, well, and mapping they it have out. done just just so you know they have done some but you got to be really careful with the information because there's uh they're in i think intentionally messing with the information that's coming out well like cheddar man they're, they're they they want yeah, the the geneticists did not say what uh, mainstream media would have no, no, no. They, they keep trying to convince people that up until like the Mesolithic, we were basically you know Dravidians. No, our appearance and hair color is way freaking older than yeah. that. It's it's absolute nonsense. But yeah, so yes, definitely is worth digging into. You'll find some really interesting stuff there. But like everything else, you you gotta comb through it. And I'm hoping eventually our our group can get big enough that. Uh, because a lot of people will be like, well, where can I get the definitive book on nautical lore? Well, it doesn't exist. There is not. <laughs> you could there get an intro. It. Well, and here's a fun fact. Well, and really, there never will be, but most of this lore, as you're noticing, is mixed through all kinds of stuff. Well, and I'd actually encourage McThunder, the dread pirate mm-hmm. McThunder. With his pirate R. R. Uh, <laughs> R. That you actually, after you've done enough lore, to actually write an introductory book. Because I've been looking, and I can't find a satisfactory book on nautical lore. I know that there's some stuff you're sworn to secrecy about regarding, like... Right, but that Neptune. that itself would be interesting to write, is we do this ceremony, even into the modern day, although the rites are, are sworn to secrecy, so we cannot discuss it, and different ships of different purposes of different tribes of our people do it in different ways but it is all it all revolves around this that alone is interesting it's a big deal and well we were talking about fishing villages and the unfortunate fact that a lot of them are starting to die off i mean like the up for instance mm-hmm. when they put a moratorium on was it smelt like you weren't allowed yeah, to smelt fish. fishing and uh salmon fishing they the, they made it set the fish or set the uh um the big um factory fisher fisher uh Fishing companies couldn't come within so far offshore, um, and the fish just exploded. Oh yeah, the fish po- population exploded, and then they said, "Oh well, you can." They start crying because they wasn't getting all the fish, and it's killing this industry and it's killing that industry. So we we need to get in closer to these inlets. So they allowed them getting closer to the inlets, and here's the thing: is they will damn near beach themselves to, to fish get these the, fish, which is illegal, but they do it anyways. Well, and here's a big thing I want to bring up is the amount of fish waste. Because I used to work at like a, a butcher's counter. Mm-hmm. The amount of food waste at these places is ludicrous. Like we could produce probably half the food we do now and feed the whole planet if we just did not waste it. Like, if there weren't these industrialized, we have to have 50 sandwiches on the on the shelf at all times places where they end up throwing out, you know, 20 to 30 to, in some cases, all of them. I mean, I, I've I've worked at these places and put out food and none hey, of it but sells. let's be honest, we don't give a fuck about the whole planet. We just care about our people. I know, but I'm just... For, right, for, right. And I mean, it really is that extreme. It is. And if you replace, because there, there is a system of still roughly traditional fishery where everybody kind of polices themselves and there's a community. Uh, the lobster industry. Lobster industry. Well, uh, it's... I think crab fishermen have a tendency to do the same thing. Probably. Um, but uh, lobster fishermen in, like, New England, 
they have very strict rules about how many you're allowed to take, what territory you have, and they all police each other. And if you break the rules, you will never lobster fish again. They will wreck your traps. You will be not getting lobsters. And this sort of system is way more sustainable, especially considering how fat, how long lobsters live. It keeps people from overfishing the lobsters. And if you think about it, if there was these traditional fishing villages that didn't go completely out of like you'd still have occasional problems like i think before it was like ridiculously large-scale industrial farming people were still you know over harvesting cod for like cod liver oil but it's this the populations can bounce back relatively quick i mean think about how many fish are born from just two fishes i mean yes a lot of the fishes make three fishes no, they 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 make they lay hundreds of eggs, if not oh, thousands. So two fishes can make three hundred fishes. Well, I mean, and what do fish eat? Uh, <laughs> other fish usually. The the little tiny ones will eat like bugs and plankton. But the point I'm getting at is, that I thought maybe they ate fish fingers, and that's where all the fish fingers went. Sure, sure, sure. You can believe that, <laughs> champ. Um, and make fish poop. <laughs> but the point I'm getting at is. It's pretty obvious what the better way of fishing is, especially if you're not exporting ludicrous amount of your fish to other countries. Um, you would have considered like the Mississippi and the Great Lakes used to have a very vibrant fishing industry mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist anymore. And well, it, really, international trade should um, not be a thing for fish, in my opinion. Yeah, really, it shouldn't. Um, like I understand the reason for the industry. I mean, yeah, we'd have to go go without this fish or that fish, and oh, you're trying to take my fishies away. No, we're not. We're trying to give you ten other ones that you don't get because they go to somebody else. Well, that's like uh, down south um, in the the Gulf of Mexico. There are ludicrous amounts of uh, lesser known fish varieties. Yeah, that are actually really supposedly supposed to taste really good, but it's a ne- it's more neglected, and it's also. Uh, damage from mississippi farm runoff and that gets into a whole nother thing that we won't get into today but safe to say again the there's better ways that exist nobody likes the way things are going but they're all stuck in it so same problem with the fish the better option exists it's just in a small secluded areas and it's pretty much proven that if you switched things would improve. There'd be other problems like there always is. There's nothing ever goes smoothly. Right. But things just change. Well, it's like if you if you want people to stop overfishing, then you pretty much have to shut down the big fishing companies. Yeah. Because not it, the small guys. Well, of course if they tried it, they'd go after the small guys and leave the big guys alone. But really they'd have to shut down the big guys and leave the small guys alone and everything would be just fine. Well, I mean, you, there was always a there's been potential for people to just go out in their boat in the past go out in their small boat they grew up in a fishing village they might not be a professional fisherman they go to a territory that's not claimed or they fish they bring home a few fish they sell it at market and they have enough to pay rent but since we're getting close to the end of the the show here i have a question for the nautical guy what what kind of sailing would you say it it was i was taught taught how to do where I had actually not just offshore with the Great Lakes, but actually going out uh, to the point where you can't see either shore, um, spend a day out there going around in circles. And then I had to find my way back, keep, keep fine course, um, run the rigging, all that kind of stuff. What, what kind of 
sailing would you say that is just sailing or um uh, what kind of boat is it technically because you refer to it as a a particular kind of, of boat where it's got the mast and the sails and it's not a yacht hmm just a just a fishing ship i mean oh that's a good question just right off the shore right so land isn't in view so i assume it'd have to be i don't know at least uh 10 to 12 miles out right yeah it was a ways you couldn't see either shore and no shores in any direction that you look that's where we would go for me to learn how to sail a boat yeah so the horizon normally is uh eight to 12 miles i believe so in order for you not to see land or anything, given like ideal conditions, it'd have to be at least eight to ten, eight to eight to twelve miles out. Um, that's a good question. I will. Yeah, that, that that'd be sailing. Sure, I'll go with that. We'll no, go with that. I, I wouldn't say I'm a professional. I'd say I know enough that if there's professionals around, how to not get in the way. <laughs> that's a good place to be. <laughs> if. if if I'm the only guy that knows how to run uh, to to actually make the boat go, um, I might be able to keep us from capsizing and definitely find shore. Might. Well, the yeah might. yeah I say might because there's always an element of risk and the waves out there are they do get really 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 big and it's scary when you're young and learn how to do this and the the waves are higher than your main mast, like. <laughs> You're looking past your main mast, and you still see like several feet of, of uh, wave above it. It's a little disconcerting. Well, one of the creepiest things about Lake Superior is that it's so cold that anybody that dies in it. Oh yeah, and that's what I trained on was Lake Superior. They're like, "Don't mess up, or we're all dead." Yeah, it's so cold you will freeze to death, and then your body will sink. Oh, and yeah. then you will be basically Lake refrigerated. Does not give up or dead, except for once every hundred years. Ah, uh, yeah, that's gonna be creepy if that happens in yeah. our lifetime. Well, because I remember when I was young, we went out there. And I'm like, well, why don't we have any um, life preservers? Because if we mess up that bad, life preservers ain't gonna save us. What? <laughs> oh yeah, we'll freeze to death. <laughs> don't sink us. No pressure. No pressure at all. But it's actually fun once you kind of get the hang of it. And it was just what what we had was just a simple boat. Um, but, again, big enough it, it warranted two sails. Um, they had the one in the center and the one off the front. Um, and, yeah, it, um, I actually got to see everybody's seen it in the movies where that the, the one sail that swings around and in the movies always knocks somebody overboard. That's a real thing. That really does happen if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Wind changes direction and, yeah, just knocks somebody, somebody straight off. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, uh, I've been out there before, had sails actually rip. That That's that's not fun. But, um, yeah, um, we're right there at that ending mark. So let's wrap this up. We've been going at this about an hour. It feels like about 10 minutes. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's and before you head out the door, uh, make sure to uh, to plug yourself again. But yeah, I'm just going to say, hey, everybody, you're not alone. We're all in this together. Um, we're trying to work towards towards something positive for our people. So stay stay strong, and um, every day work towards being the God that you're born to be.
And I'll say, if uh, these talks have made you feel like you want to learn a bit about the sea, or even just feel a bit s more sea-like, check out some shanties, check out some lore, listen to some Stan Rogers, The Longest Johns, go stand by the beach and have a good day. You know, live it. Enjoy it. Be great. That's me out. And I guess I'll say it's been an enjoyable talk. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, yeah, sea lore is quite massive. It's quite great, but it's beautiful. It's uh, the amount of information that's out there it can it, it can be a quite bit overwhelming. But you know, we're trying to. I'm trying to um, deliver it to you in a way that's both entertaining and both at the same time informative. Uh, and with that, I'll be signing out myself as well. I'll check out uh, Gidunk Nautica if you haven't already. So, G-E-E-D-U-N-K Nautica. That's McThunder out. Oh, thank you.